we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we will do something amazing. I don't know what that is quite yet, but it will be so amazing that you'll go, wow, that just happened. I'm just going to leave it at that, because I don't have anything else to say. That's a hefty promise, and I believe we can deliver. I think so. And here's the thing. Those types of understated introductions are so underappreciated. And I just want you to know that it has not gone unnoticed, very much like many of the intellectual properties we intend on speaking of tonight. That's why I did that. Absolutely. Oh, man, what a transition, boys. Because everybody I drop out. something and my team picks it up and runs with it. <laughs> like so. an NFL f- football team in Utah, apparently. But that's that's for the pre-roll. All the all the <laughs> deep cut dungeon crawler fans got that audio. Yes. So uh, we're going to be talking about underrated intellectual properties. Those uh, IPs that are out there that we think should have been given a little bit more love or that just kind of zip by and you never knew about them. And this is your chance to go out and check them out. Perhaps they were beloved at one point, but what we are talking about tonight are IPs that may have gone sort of from, you know, history to legend, legend to myth, and is now long forgotten. Yes. And as a point of reference, every person sitting out there is about to expect us to start talking about Firefly, but... First and foremost, we've cut it. But second off, I think there's a point to be made there that it was not underappreciated by the fans. It was underappreciated by the intellectual property holders. Yes. Absolutely. You can say the F word. It's okay. You mean Fox? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Anyone who knows the history knows immediately that Firefly was mishandled by the Fox uh, 20th Century Studio. That's absolutely true. Or Fox Fox Network and its airing uh, plans. Everyone knows that. It's not a secret, but to Alton's point, it's not an underappreciated IP. It's actually extremely highly appreciated and is legendary among the annals of nerdosity. Yeah. I mean, it's not even a cult following, to be honest. Not anymore. It rivals that. Yeah. It's pop culture. It rivals that of Marvel and DC and Star Wars and Star Trek and many other IPs out there. Now, I also have to call out one other intellectual property before we begin, because Krebs has made a very noble sacrifice and has <laughs> vowed not to say the Kroll word this evening. That is right. I will not be using that IP in my list. We talked about this before the show, and the point that I made was that, you know, yes, I love that IP, and there are things I want to do with that IP now, and I do think it's underappreciated, but what else can be done? Like, is there a reasonable sequel? Not really. You'd have to basically reboot it, rebuild it, restart it as a series. So I don't think it really, I don't think it's appropriate for this particular list. What we're talking about tonight should be IPs that have gone underappreciated, maybe a new discovery for some of the people out there, maybe not, but definitely deserving of like proper sequels, proper expansion, that sort of thing. That's what we're aiming for. And not only that, Krebs has beat that one over that dead horse over and over this entire year. That oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. It no longer qualifies for underappreciated. You impugn my honor, sir. (laughs) Because he's probably said it and not like every episode to the point that every listener out there has now somehow watched it. That's probably true. But what is this movie about? But hey, 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 but but there is. There, there is one question that remains unasked. Daniel, what's your stance on the sci-fi fantasy 1983 film, The Crawl? Now, see, here's the... No, you promised not to say the word, Krebs. It's really easy. I own the movie. Now I have to punish you with a terrible oh. pun because people are out there wondering why we aren't called Dungeon Crawlers Radio because of you. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Maybe and why we have crawlers. Oh my gosh, April Fool's episode. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> Wow, way to give it away. It's okay. Our real fans will be ready for it. That's right. Okay, guys. Where do we start? Who wants to start? Daniel, you're the ringleader. I think you ought to kick us off. How do you wait first? How do you guys feel about doing the Catan Crescent order, which is one person the person who goes first is also the person who goes last? We are each of us going to contribute two things. So whoever goes last in the first round will go first in the second round. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's a first in, last out. 
Are we doing yeah. it by age? Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> Please, you're making me blush twice in my beautiful, smooth cheeks with no wrinkles and bones that don't creak. Hey, I don't have any bones that creak yet. I'm good. <laughs> that can be caught on audio. At this point, you could cut me open and count the rings. So it's nice. cool. It's cool. Uh, Daniel, All kick right. us off. What is your first underappreciated IP? I'm going to go with my very first one. This is one I really love, and it is a British science fiction comedy <laughs> called Red Dwarf. Yes! Oh, my uh, gosh. I love Red Dwarf so much. Uh, uh, it was created by Rob uh, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. It was actually, I, I found this on PBS. It, they used to play it on Saturdays. It was after the Red Green show, and it was the most goofiest, weirdest science fiction film show I've ever seen. You know, uh, the premise pretty much is a low-ranking technician uh, awakens at, from suspended animation because everyone's died radiation bombarded the ship and so it's been millions of years and his pet cat that he stowed away which put him in suspended animation because it was against the rules the cats have mutated and evolved and created their own society and fled the ship to go find the uh sacred land of fuji Um, (laughs) and you know you've got such a great cast uh yeah, you got his most hated bunkmate, which is a solid or no, he, he wasn't a he, he wasn't a solid gram until later hologram, but he's he was a hologram. Um, the computer sh- ship was stupid as rocks. I mean, it was supposed to control everything, but it, but it, it, it had been in space for so long that its cores had degraded, yeah, corrupted. Yeah. So but it was it was really funny and weird. And, you know, the first time um, oh, Crichton shows up, you know, his in, they find him on some derelict ship and uh, everyone's died. And he's it's not Crichton, not Crichton. Uh, Lister. No, Lister is the main character. Yeah, Lister. And then you have Rimmer. Yeah, which is the whole. Oh, 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 excuse me. You're right. The, the, yeah. the android, yeah, the android. Is, is Crichton. You're right. Yeah. OK, I, I thought I was like I was thinking I was thinking you were referencing Farscape. Yeah, I know. Which could have made this list tonight, but didn't. Yeah, he's a sanitation droid, but he's like playing with these skeletons of these dead people and pretending they're still alive. And I'm like, wow, this is really creepy. But then you have the cat that, you know, it's always dancing around. And Oh, the cat had style and panache, dude. Yes. Oh, it was so good. Um, and are we was- talking like Android Weber cats? Or are we talking about like... No, we're talking about like Wizard acceptable humanoid. No, he looked humanoid. The only reason you knew he was a cat, he had fangs. He had fangs. Uh-huh. And and his name was The Cat. Yeah. Oh, like, right. PBS budget. So you get yes. like one of BBC appliance. budget. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was BBC PBS, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and basically, you know, yeah, cats had evolved so much to the point they looked like humans. But, you know, one of the things that I love about this series is that I, not only do you have like the typical like like there's dry British humor infused yeah. in there. The android has an American accent, even though the actor is British. Yes. Um, the you know, like there are a number of things in there that are just extremely clever and leveraged to great comedic effect, even though in many other places it might be considered campy or even lowbrow. But one of the things I love is also they did in the early to mid 90s, they they almost predicted in some ways our modern day problems for example they have a vr game known as better than life and it becomes the number one addictive substance in the galaxy where people will plug into better than life and it's so much better than their real life that they refuse to leave and it becomes their reality, even though it's VR. And so their bodies are wasting away. We could look at that as a very, not only a comedic um, element, but it's, it was obvious commentary on the, on the rising video game generation at the time and definitely mirrors our smartphone and dependency on technology today. So a very important question for both of you. And I'd like to have this question answered for every single one of these IPs this evening. Uh, uh, If someone has never heard of, never consumed, never seen this intellectual property, where should they start? And 
is there anything that they should avoid? So there is a, um, I think it's a streaming service called Doug and Red Dwarf is now there. Um, it used to be on PBS, but it no longer is, sadly. Um, but Doug is the place to find it. They have all the old uh, series episodes in that. Um, there was a Red Dwarf movie, so you can even catch that there. Uh, that is the best place to find it. Um, I have not found it anywhere else other than Doug because for some reason the showrunners have kept a really tight lid on it, which is awesome. Um, in terms of like where to start in the series, I think you should definitely one. you should definitely do episode one because that gives all the context. They do a really great job of laying out the Gilligan's Island premise, right? Um, and they establish the characters quite well. It's been a long time since I've watched the series, but there are some extremely choice episodes. I think the Better Than Life episode is worthwhile. Um, for sure, there is, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. And to be honest with you, it's been so long, I'm a, I'm a little blank on specific episodes, but it is, it, if you like the pilot enough, watch the next two episodes. And if you like that enough, keep going with the series. It does help to go in order because there are some throwbacks along the way. And there's also some uh, in the series, they also reference uh, the multiverse where you get Ace Rimmer. You know? Oh, Yes. The multiverse. Be back by breakfast. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. There's some really cool stuff with this show, and and if you're going going in thinking you're going to be seeing a really hard, amazing sci-fi TV series, you're not. This is an incredibly self-aware, purposely sitcomish, purposely campy uh, show. Yeah. But this this show came out sort of like at the height of dry, campy British humor. Yeah. Um, with things like it came out around the same time as Mr. Bean, uh, and 1988 ran till 1999 and they resurrected it for some new stuff. recently. Yeah. Yeah. The, in <laughs> fact, the, the movie, as I understand it was, was sort of like the, um, the sum up of what would have been the next season had they stayed on the air. Yeah. Cool. And then Doug, then Doug, the streaming service came and now they've gotten a couple seasons there. Sweet. Well, with that. I think, Mr. Krebs, it is your turn to introduce your first intellectual property. Awesome. Underappreciated. I'm going to go ahead and switch gears here a little bit. You know, back in 2005, uh, 2006, somewhere in that area, uh, I was extremely fortunate. I entered a competition with a short film that I had made. I won. And the prize was to attend the Sony PlayStation 3 launch party in LA. And you get a Sony... Uh, PS3 at launch. And I was one of 10 selected winners. It was great. It was awesome. Loved it. It was a very interesting eye-opening experience. And the reason I bring this up is that PS3, there's a whole history behind like, like especially in, in sort of like hindsight of what they did wrong with the launch of that console and, and you know, where they kind of failed and then later kind of pulled up and saved themselves. But suffice it to say the launch of the PS3 was not at all what was expected and it was definitely an uphill battle to come out on top at toward the end of that generation at the beginning near the launch there were certain titles that really are still memorable still memorable to this day and one of them that i absolutely adore to this day is a game called heavenly sword heavenly sword was made by ninja theory uh that's the studio studio behind it heavenly sword also starred anna torv the main actress from uh, Fringe, uh, sort of an X-Files-ish show that was on Fox for several many seasons. Uh, but Anna Torv plays uh, Nariko, this extremely long-haired, long red-haired, uh, pseudo-European uh, character who was uh, obviously living in, in a more Asian-inspired world. And she was fulfilling a prophecy that was originally intended, at least many thought, for a man. And because she was fulfilling that prophecy as a woman, she was sort of hated and despised by the people. I love this game for its storytelling, for its world building. You also had Andy Serkis right after he started making it big with the Lord of the Rings performances as Gollum. He ended up being the performance director the sort of like mocap director. He directed all of the cutscenes, and he starred as the villain. 
there were a couple of other extremely important actors involved in the motion capture process. The game itself tells a fabulous tale. And the gameplay was super fun, showcasing some of the six-axis motion control. Even though it was frustrating to get used to at first, it was actually one of the better implemented games, and it was a near-launch title. Now, the reason I think this is an underappreciated IP, uh, Heavenly Sword was originally slated for a sequel, but console sales were not great at all at that point in time for ps3 you might recall that ps3 ran for 600 dollars at launch which was way more than any other console at that time and this was back at like 2006 dollars right um and so it didn't sell well the game itself didn't sell well because the console didn't sell well the game itself was not a perfect execution but it was a great execution and uh, ultimately sony said there was no money you know left in that ip and so the sequel which was originally intended and written and slated, and they already were like in pre-production and everything, it got canned. And it and, and the game itself kind of got bashed. Fun fact, Heavenly Sword appeared in an episode of Heroes when Heroes was still new and on the air and still hot, hot stuff. It was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, Heavenly Sword, starring Anna Torv and Andy Serkis on PS3, is my underappreciated IP. It should be known, though, that there was a spiritual successor in recent history. And, and I'm gonna, it's very much a loose successor, but Heavenly Sword paved the way for Hellblade. Check out the similarity in that title, right? The, the foil in that title. Um, Hellblade, made by the same studio, went on to make video game history in a couple of very important ways. But that's another discussion for another episode. And Hellblade 2, by the way, is on the way. So Heavenly Sword did not get a sequel, but its spiritual successor did. Nice. Love it. So where should people start? And is there anything that they should avoid? Great question. Um, I would avoid any sort of playthroughs, walkthroughs, or discussions that tear the game down because I think they artificially are negative based solely on sort of the zeitgeist of that point in time. I think the game deserves an honest-to-goodness first-person experience, first-hand experience. So find someone who has a PS3 uh, or a... Let's see. Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, PS4 is not reverse-compatible except digitally. So find a PS3. doesn't matter what generation of PS3. Just get it and get your hands on it and play the game for yourself and keep in mind this was a near launch title so it wasn't at the height of perfection of people who were programming for the ps3 which was a very difficult platform to develop for but that's where they should start they should get their hands on the controller they should play it for themselves without the bias of people who would rather tear it down love it well i suppose that that means that i need to go it surely is and and even though there are two intellectual properties that have been mentioned that the two of you aren't allowed to mention, there is one of mine that was able to just sneak by and I got called out on it as soon as I brought it up, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm so excited for this. It Ender's Shadow. Ender's Shadow is phenomenal. Go ahead, Dan. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wasn't saying it wasn't, it wasn't that at all. It was just like, okay, that's good. Because really, and we wanted to make sure that we avoided any overlaps. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. But so Ender's Shadow. Ender's Shadow by Orson Scott Card. Um, most people know Ender's Game, which is focused on Andrew Wigan, colloquially known as Ender, um, and his rise through battle school. And then it goes on and there's a whole Enderverse, a whole Ender series there that follows him after battle school, but on the opposite side of a massive amount of light speed travel which means that we are forwarding dozens and hundreds of years into the future. Um, and Ender's Game is a fine book on its own. Don't get me wrong. But um, Orson Scott Card in, I think it was the late 90s, 1999, I think was when the book was released, uh, realized that there was a story that needed to be told about what was going on on Earth um, both in the events leading up to Battle School, 
but also what happened immediately after the war ends because Ender just kind of goes into space and that's the end of that. And we see all of the after effects of dozens and hundreds of years later, but never what actually happened in the moments following the end of the second Formic War, also known as the buggers. Um, Ender's shadow follows Bean from his beginnings in Rotterdam mm -hmm. as an orphan in which he goes and joins some street gangs, despite the fact that he is dramatically undersized. He rises to prominence because of his strategic prowess, ends up getting found by Sister Carlotta, who is a nun who cannot convince him to join religion, but nevertheless helps to instill a little bit of humanity in him before he gets sent off to battle school. And we get to see portions of the Ender's Game story from a completely different perspective. But we also start to see what was going on more with the rest of the team, where Ender and the rest of the world, for that matter, where Ender's shadow is very much Wigan-centric, whether it is Andrew or um, his brother and sister. With Ender's shadow, Bean has no family. He has nothing to call his own, um, except for the people that he meets along the way. And so we get to see what's going on inside Bean's head and what's happening in battle school and the way that Bean is manipulating the system. But we also get to see some of the politics that are playing out back on earth and within the international fleet and what's gonna happen. But the other thing that's important is that there is a series of parallel books to the Ender's Game uh, quadrilogy for Ender's Shadow that also explores everything that happens on earth from that point forward uh, and in excruciatingly neat strategic and political detail, but not like Star Wars episode two politics. I'm talking about like, we're going to sit down and yes, play Twilight Imperium, but for four books, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and you get to deal with a lot of the um, psychological and ethical effects of what is going on in the world, why the war on the buggers was so important in uniting humanity, but also what happens when you when humanity starts to run out of common enemies. Um, it is phenomenal. I cannot recommend it enough. I do think that Ender's Shadow deserved a better film than it got, but that's its own topic for a different episode. True story. Please uh, go and read Ender's Shadow uh, and if you like it, continue onwards. Um, the first two book in the two first two books in the Ender Shadow series, I think, are the you know the the most important and the ones that are most impactful. The other thing that I will note is that the Ender Shadow series is considerably more mature than the Ender's Game series. So if you are have an aversion to swear words, if you have um, sensitive triggers, you know, go in uh, with some content warnings there. It is definitely not a children's book. It is aimed at adults, uh, but it is a phenomenal read that for me is a rich treasure trove of adventure and introspection. Nice. Um, That's awesome. So where should people begin? I mean, I know this is a book, but yeah. uh, what should they begin with? What should they avoid? So I would definitely recommend reading Ender's Shadow first. Um, Ender's you, Game or Ender's Shadow? Ender's Shadow. Uh, you do not necessarily have to read Ender's Game first. They are fine books separately. They can stand alone. If you read Ender's Game first, you'll have a lot more context for what is going on in Ender's Shadow and why it's so cool. But I am not opposed to anybody just jumping into Ender's Shadow first. Um, uh, the critical pieces of information that you're going to need to know in order to understand what Ender's Shadow is, is we are in the future. It's the year 2170. Um, and uh, Earth had almost been invaded once by these aliens called the Buggers. Um, the Catholic Church is insisting on calling them the Formics, which is their official name. So you'll see those words used interchangeably. And uh, humanity nearly was wiped out, but was saved in a critical battle by Mazer Rackham, who is a 
supposed uh, strategic genius. From that point, they form an international fleet. They have taken apart a whole bunch of alien technology and used it to start building bigger, better ships. And they have established what is called battle school in which they are trying to identify the brightest strategic minds of each generation and get them into the military and get them trained as quickly as possible in the hopes that if the buggers return, we have an opportunity to stand a chance. Um, that's the critical foundation that you need to know. And awesome. beyond that, you can go and enjoy either Ender's Game or Ender's Shadow in either order. I probably would not move on to the second book in Ender's Shadow, uh, Quadrilogy, Shadow of the Hegemon, before reading Ender's Game, so that you have a little bit more context for some of the characters that are there. Um, but Shadow of the Hegemon is excellent. And if you do nothing else in the Enderverse, those three books in either Ender's Game, Ender's Shadow Order, and then Shadow of the Hegemon are what I would read for you to look at the Orson Scott card version of the future. It's Beautiful. wonderful. Nice. Excellent choice and suggestion. Thank you. So Which, I've got one so more. Then. Now we get to move on to your second choice because mm -hmm. Crescent Order. So please take it away. And I made sure to save this one for a second because <laughs> I showed up to the call last and I was like, okay, I've got my two and I guarantee neither of you are going to choose either of them. And the first one that came out of my mouth, everybody was like, yeah, that was the one that was my backup. So <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, an underappreciated ABC series that only got really one and a half seasons, but uh, technically two. Better off, Ted. Yeah. That show, man. That show. I did not discover that show. I didn't even see a commercial for that show until yeah. the second season was dropping. It was like the first season happened in a vacuum. And then I watched it. It stars Portia de Rossi and a few other familiar faces. And Malcolm Barrett. Is in that series is amazing. Yeah. If, if any of you have seen Arrested Development, Right. Um, Portia de Rossi is uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Bluth Fumke, yeah. Tobias's wife. Very uptight, very self centered. Right. Now, there are still things about her personality that definitely come through in both characters, but they are very distinct to each other. Absolutely amazing. And Phil and Lem. Oh my God. Yep. Oh my gosh. Phil and Lem. Yes. Um, Phil and Lem are both played by actors who have made their way around the industry. It's Jonathan Slavin and Malcolm Barrett. Uh, Jonathan Slavin plays Phil Myman, um, and Malcolm Barrett plays Lem Hewitt. Uh, Malcolm Barrett's character, Lem, is easily one of my favorite characters in all of TV, and I love the way that they interact <laughs> with each other. Um, and you will recognize who they are. You'll recognize most of these actors yes. when you see them, even if you don't recognize their work. You'll yes. know what you know that you've seen them elsewhere because all of these people have been in a ton of things and they are comedic powerhouses. Well, if you've if you've watched uh, San Clarita Diet on Netflix, you've seen Jonathan Slavin. Mm, he, good point. Last season, man, he comes back. He plays this uh, guy that. Oh my gosh, it's it's so the 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 comedy level of this show would be like, and, and also some of the flavor would be like if Arrested Development and Dilbert had a love child. Oh, yeah. It's mm. it, now the style of the show. Maybe even like a little bit of Drew Carey show. Yeah. Yeah. And Drew Carey, when that show was on the air, that thing was darn funny. Um, yeah. This Better Off Ted is one of absolutely might I would say is in the running to be the champion of all three lists because all three of us secretly chose it. It's one of those shows that you have to tell someone else about uh, because most people don't know. And you, and it makes excellently self-aware comedy of yes. corporate America. One of my favorite aspects of the show. And when my wife and I first watched it, like on, on our DVR on, you know, sat, you know, cable TV, um, when we watched it for the first time, we were caught off guard. Every episode contains a fake commercial for the company featured in the show. The yep. show uh, features a company called Viridian Dynamics, and they do these faux commercials, and they're utterly stunning. I will tell you my favorite in just a moment, but Alton, go ahead. 
Yeah, I do want to make sure to give the quick elevator pitch for everybody who has no frame of reference for what this is. Please go. Better Off Ted is essentially a sitcom. There are little things that build on top of each other, but nothing major. You can watch most of the episodes in pretty much any order and be okay. Um, We'll talk about that in a minute when I talk about what to watch and what to avoid. But the premise of the show is a couple of or a a number of office people work for this faceless mega corporation who produces everything and clearly has no morals or ethics whatsoever. Their only objective is to make money as efficiently as possible and nothing goes to waste. They are led by uh, two leaders. The first of which is Ted, who's kind of a middle manager in the whole thing. Um, His boss, Portia de Rossi. um, Veronica. uh, Veronica, thank you. is you know the next level up night not quite sea level but she's the only one who gets to talk to the people upstairs because this is a heavily bureaucratic company you deal with two different scientists um a uh, an assistant to the office like there's lots of little things that go on but the same way that the office lambasted office life in the mundaneity of things Better Off Ted focuses primarily upon the moral and ethical dilemmas and turns them into hilariously funny situations that build upon themselves. Genius level comedy. uh, Do you remember the company's motto? Viridian's company motto? No. Money Uh, before people. Yeah, money before people. (laughs) That's their motto. That tells you everything. The reason I'm laughing so hard is because I have the context of the show. And when you have the context of the show, that line is exponentially funnier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, You're going to you're going to see things like, uh, you know, lab grown meat, but not like Impossible (laughs) Burger. I'm talking about like breathing, living, weird things going on, acid (laughs) melting through the floors, weaponized toasters that take out entire villages like it's insane, and it. But we. But you don't see any of it in the actual world. Everything is in the confines of this little mega corporation building. It's yes. beautiful with this amazing corporate veneer where everything has plausible deniability, and everything is cloaked in these neat little platitudes of, you know, the the company would not like us to say such and such <laughs> a thing. It's perfect. Well, there, uh, there's a couple episodes where they go to say stuff, and it's like redacted. Like yeah. it's censored. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Now I- I'm going to change up the questioning on this just slightly. I think all three of us would agree that if anyone were to approach this show new, they should absolutely watch the pilot episode, if only for character establishment. Yes. Plus, there there is, there are a couple of throwback jokes that occur throughout the series because of the first episode. However, I would ask each of you if there was only one other episode that they watch after the pilot. If they could only watch one, <gasps> you stole Rocky. you stole mine, but I have a couple backups. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if all three of us are in agreement because I think it is because you guys know what Jabberwocky is about. Yes, and if you yes. don't know what Jabberwocky is about, <laughs> well, then I just can't talk to you. I just so, can't help you. So you know, anybody out there, uh, and 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 really, I would watch the first four episodes. If you like it a lot, just keep going. And it's not that many. And if you don't jump to season one, episode 12, Jabberwocky, and just watch that, if nothing yes. else. Yes. That is a great episode. Uh, my follow-up to that would probably be uh, episode one of season two, The Love Blurts, where they have a genetic mm. matchmaking making program. Oh, my gosh. It up Lem and Veronica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that show is just amazing. Um, if okay, so Jabberwocky was absolutely my pick, but since that's already on the on the board, I would also suggest. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I might go to. There's an episode where they have a real time Universal translator, mm-hmm. and and that one was uncomfortably hilarious. I will also throw in as a bonus. There is an episode that features an old man close to retirement named Mr. Krebs. Yep, I do remember. That is true. So this show has it all, to be honest with you. This show is hilarious. 
And if you have not seen it yet, it's probably because no one was a good enough friend and only we, we are your good friends. I will say, I do feel like towards the end of season two, it started to peter off. Um, I, I think that part of it was that they knew they were getting pulled. The original writer, uh, original writer director had left the yeah. show, you know, um, but it's worth it. The, the irony the inside jokes, the irony of corporate politics in television, sinking yeah. a show about corporate politics on television. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also love the racial sensitivity episode. Oh, that I was the other one. Oh, super, super poignant. But it also does a beautiful job of illustrating the moral problems with both being overly sensitive and not sensitive at all. Yes. As well as being able to poke fun at the whole concept of, you know, bureaucracy and trying to solve things bureaucratically. Yes. Instead of actually dealing with people as people. Okay. No joke. When I was thinking about the one episode you should watch other than the pilot, I I was so excited when you said Jabberwocky. I had in my head Jabberwocky followed by the uh the race episode i don't know how uh, Mm -hmm. the racial sensitivity episode racial sensitivity yeah that one i and then when you said jabberwocky i got so excited that that second pick just flew out of my head and i forgot all about it um but yes that episode is pure genius and is somewhat based on a real problem with facial recognition in certain web cameras yes yeah it's a real problem my white guy is great you just must not be using yours right. <laughs> which anyway, which honestly is a slightly very well. It's it, it's a slight related line to an, a 1980s movie, Better Off Dead, yep. where mm-hmm. they say, "Man, throwing away a perfectly good white boy, yep, what a waste." John Cusack in the back yeah. of a garbage truck. That, Absolutely, one of my love favorite it. 80s movies. I love that, that. one. Also great. Okay, so um, con- I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, go check it out. It used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it still it's is. Not. So the places you can find it are Hulu, a- Apple TV, Prime, uh, uh, Amazon Prime. It's on mm-hmm. Vudu. Uh, you'd have to pay for those episodes on mm-hmm. Apple TV or Vudu. Look, uh, if if you watch the I show will, and you like it, I will yeah. highly recommend to you that you buy the discs because there and, will come a point where it's not available anymore. Yeah. And, and very plainly, I I would even go so far as to say, I feel confident enough to say, if you don't have reasonable access to it or you're not willing to give your money to Hulu, just buy the first season. Yeah. Just do it. Just the do first it. season is gold and you will not regret your purchase. Yes. As is true with most shows, the pilot is probably the most underwhelming episode and it's still darn funny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Mr. Krebs, it's your turn. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you went in the order you did, because my second pick is also a television show that ran for approximately half a season. Uh, My second pick is J.J. Abrams' Flash Forward. Flash Forward is a show in which, for reasons no one can quite explain, the entire globe blacks out at the same time. And I don't mean out of power. I mean, everyone on earth faints and sleeps for, I forget if, I forget the exact amount of time. I think it was like 13 minutes or something like that. During which time the world, uh, the people experience something called a flash forward. So a flash back is when you, when you remember in vivid detail, something that happened in your past flash forward is the idea that everybody sees a 13 minute stint of what the future holds or like a three minute stint of what the future holds and everyone sees something different and various people are trying to put together what they saw and what it means. And it ends up leading down a deep rabbit hole with a much larger conspiracy, you know, the way that JJ Abrams does this show did not last more than, and I didn't look this up. So I'm just guesstimating, but I would say like six or eight episodes. It wasn't that long. It got canceled. It was, and it was highly unfortunate because this show was incredibly cerebral. It was a thinker. It was not trash television. It was not cheaply made. It was a deep concept. One of the characters that gets followed is someone who was literally about to commit, uh, they were about to die by suicide. And just before they could do it, 
the world blacked out and their flash forward gave them hope and changed their view of the world. And they ended up going on to save other lives because they themselves were alive. It is a completely deep and meaningful show. I believe if I remember correctly, I think it stars, um, uh, fines, not, not Ray fines, but, um, his brother who was in, uh, Shakespeare in Love, if I remember correctly. Uh, This show was incredibly intelligent. And it also, fun fact, took place in the very first episode. There is a brief reference in the background, but it is clearly visible, that tells you that this show takes place in the same universe as Lost. Um, They have an oceanic, they have an oceanic billboard. What's that? Joseph Fiennes. Thank you, Joseph Fiennes. I feel bad for not remembering. John Cho is in it too. Yes. Uh, The cast was extremely strong. Um, The premise was just phenomenal. And it it very much like Better Off Ted. I think it got better publicity than Better Off Ted. But it came out at a time when, quite honestly, the vast majority of the audience just didn't want to think, to be frank. They wanted to be entertained mindlessly. And so I think it came out at a time when people weren't ready to be cerebral. If it came out today, I honestly think it would do better. Yeah, and Seth MacFarlane was even in it. He was in it or he was behind it? Uh, he was in it. I don't remember. He was That's one interesting. Of the members. Uh, huh. Maybe a, a, char- a side character or something, but yeah. Okay. So, Mr. Krebs, where should people start? Is there anything that people should avoid? Um, that's a great question. And where can they find it? The the connection to Lost is extremely ethereal. So like, if you don't know anything about Lost, you don't have to know anything about Lost. If you happen to have watched Lost any amount of time before this show, you'll appreciate the mentions that occur during the show. Um, But this show is not a sequel to Lost. It's just in the same world. Uh, Because it was not even a full season, the best place to start is episode one. And if you like it, even half, if, 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 it, if it meets half your expectation, keep going. The show gets deep really fast. The one thing I would warn about is that if you get hooked on stuff like this, you have to know right now, there is no hope on this planet that this show is getting continued ever, ever again. Oh my gosh, I just remembered another one that's a completely underrated IP. I'll save it for honorable mentions. But anyway, um, So you're going to get hooked on this show. You're going to love this show. And then the show is just going to evaporate because it did not get treated properly um, when it was on the air. Simple as that. So start with the first episode and avoid loving it too much. And the only place to find it is on ABC's streaming service. I'm surprised you can find it anywhere. Yeah, it's Um, the only place they have it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Anyway, flash forward. Do yourself a favor if you're into cerebral sci-fi and conspiracy type shows. It is utterly incredible. Sweet. Mr. Dan, finish us up. All right. So my final pick is a small gem from the year 2000. It lasted for two seasons and starred the one and only Bruce Campbell. The TV series is Jack of All Trades. (laughs) It is set in the 1970s. Or or, no, excuse me. It was a half hour. It was in the half hour format of the 1970s. I'm sorry. But it was set in the the, uh, early 19th century. You know, you got Napoleon Bonaparte is one of the main villains in there, which is played by Vern Troyer. (laughs) <laughs> which you know they're really playing off the whole the the lunacy of uh his shortness yeah bruce campbell is jack styles and also the the mighty flagoon um and <laughs> yeah it it was a really fun little series it's all set on this little uh french controlled island called uh palapala um in the east indies and Jack Styles is an American secret agent. Uh, he was sent there by President Jefferson. And he, his British contact is also kind of his love interest. But it's, you know, it's Bruce Campbell. It's like, um, 
it's it's a lot like Briscoe County Jr. Yes, uh, but set in the Napoleon French era, and it's just hilarious. It was a great little underrated series that only lasted two seasons. And it came and it went. I actually think that maybe that show got made because Briscoe County Jr. had the success it did at the time it did. Mm -hmm. And then this was sort of like piggybacked off of that. Bruce Campbell's fame at this time was probably at its peak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's definitely not a a kid's show. There were a lot of uh, (laughs) sexual puns and innuendos throughout the entire series. Um, You know, every, it seemed like every, episode uh emma or amelia excuse me amelia had some sort of gadget that would save the day uh so there was a lot of that going on um oh the daring dragoon that was his name the daring dragoon double d's yeah Uh, (laughs) was a pun in itself um it was actually fun even the theme song It was kind of this, it had this like marine type theme to it. And it was just, it was great. Uh, It's definitely something that, I'm a huge Bruce Campbell fan. So that definitely drew my attention to it. But uh, it's something that I wish would have got a little bit more attention. Like these other, these other series that we've talked about. Uh, It was fun. It was hilarious. Um, And the theme song for for this series was actually up for an emmy but it lost out to west wings theme song so that's that's saying something that's saying definitely something there so uh with commercials cut out running time is 22 minutes so really short episodes so it did not it never drug it was in out snappy on the beaten you are done for the day nice so if people are going into jack of all trades for the very first time where should they begin Definitely need to start with episode one so you can understand what the heck's going on. Um, TV shows be like that, right? Like you just, yeah. you got to start at the beginning. Well, okay. That, you're going to be really confused, you know, uh, yeah. because Bruce Campbell's going to be this normal guy and then suddenly jump into this crazy outfit and you're going to go like, why? <laughs> uh, so you have to watch that first episode to understand that why. After that, honestly, it doesn't matter. Any episode is worthwhile they don't really stack upon themselves uh so it's fun to watch any but you need to at least watch that first one is there any is there any particular episode that if they could only watch one more episode beyond the first they should oh probably the uh episode five of season one uh the people's dragoon that one's a really good one um because really they're going after a shipment of gold um that's been you know uh it's been intercepted by the corrupt governor and the hilarity that ensues in that trying to get that is just fantastic um there is one other one i'm trying to find which one it is um shark bait it's in season two they run into They run into Blackbeard, um, and uh, they're the they're with Blackbeard to thwart Leonardo da Vinci's great 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 grandson, who's planning to uh, dis- destroy the annual f- uh, founding father and son cruise. <laughs> Again, sounds crazy and weird, but yes, it's I love it so much fun. Um, now. Now, we are running extremely short on time, Mm -hmm. but I happen to know that we each of us have a few honorable mentions. Could we do a lightning round of honorable mentions? Yeah, no more than one minute each. All righty. All right, let's keep it tight. Dan, do you have an honorable mention or two? Go. I'm just going to throw out one, and that would be sliders. Oh, good choice. Absolutely. Is that all you have to say? It was a great underrated little thing. You know, it had John Reese davies in it. and the really cool thing about it, you know, Jerry O'Connell, mm-hmm. um, but every episode jumped to a parallel universe and you got to see something different. And I think they did a fantastic job doing that, jumping from world to world, world and having a new in- issue coming up and seeing something different. And yet it didn't seem like they repeated anything. My only, the only thing that kind of sucked in my opinion about it is we never really saw Jerry O'Connell's character make it home. He just kind of disappeared and they 
kind of brought up a new cast, which in my opinion sucked. Um, but other than that, it was definitely a very underrated show. Awesome. Uh, my honorable mentions, I have a few and I'm going to hit them as fast as I can. There is a movie on Hulu currently called Boss Level. It stars Frank Grillo, Naomi Watts, Mel Gibson, and Will Sasso in that order. It is a it is a brilliant, comedic, action-filled, not for children, definitely rated R, but for action and language, uh, boss level on Hulu. I also highly recommend the long-canceled sci-fi series Farscape, which was an Australian yeah. sci-fi television show uh, that was uh, where the creatures were made by the Jim Henson Creature Shop. And while it is definitely campy during the first season, eventually a super villain, a villain named Scorpius shows up. And from the point that he shows up in the show, the show just skyrockets into awesomeness. Definitely watch that. And it's made for TV movie conclusion. And finally, and this one was the one that I really had to mention. There is a show that lasted for two seasons. It was extremely brief in both seasons called The Booth at the End. The Booth at the End stars Xander Berkeley, where he is a seemingly human human individual who has otherworldly abilities you go to him he sits in this diner and you tell him what you desire most he gives you a task and if you fulfill the task you will get what you desire but the task could be anything from the mundane to the sweet to the horrifying and the whole show is all about the interpersonal interactions of getting your wish fulfilled and what are you willing to do to make it happen it is pure genius it's only available on youtube they cut the seasons into full-length movies get both they are utterly brilliant and they will make you wish that people had caught it so that you could get a season three fun fact about wayne pingram that played scorpius oh yeah uh, he actually if you watch the very tail end of episode three uh when you see palpatine and vader on the bridge of the star destroyer oh yeah uh, wayne pingram is actually playing tarkin as he's walking up to join them no kidding. That's a great choice. Yeah. Oh, cool. uh, that is a great series, though. I enjoyed it. It did kind of go a little weird towards the end, but that's it, OK. It, it's Australian weird, yeah. right? Like and it is brilliant. Um, but yes, please. I mean, Farscape, yes. But the booth at the end, please don't sleep on that. The booth at the end on YouTube. Go, Elton. OK. My two, one of them is very old school. And uh, I, I just think that it deserves a little bit more than it has, even though I understand some people appreciate it. A lot of people have no idea what it is. Um, Hogan's Heroes. Oh, I love Hogan's, Hogan's Heroes. Heroes. That's, it is, that's television history, man. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of comedy from television history. I believe mid 60s, right, was when it came out, 1965. The premise of the show is very, very simple, and it's going to sound like it doesn't make sense as a comedy, but I guarantee <laughs> you it does, okay? Um, allied soldiers trapped in a German prisoner of war camp in World War II um, end up staying behind enemy lines to engage in espionage and other acts of tomfoolery to waylay the Germans to try to bring an end to the war. It is absolutely wonderful. The characters are beautifully exaggerated mm -hmm. and it's 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 got that mid-60s writing that the point of it is just to get little bits of wordplay trapped on top of itself and build little things on top of each other until the end of the episode and they tear it all down at once you don't have to watch them in any order there are reruns on multiple networks tv land things like that but go check it out um, I'm not sure if you can find it anywhere online. I haven't looked, uh, but if you can, please watch it. It is great. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> Love it. The Man. second uh, is a little known Gene Roddenberry slice called mm. Andromeda. From oh the year my 2000. gosh. Um, Gene Roddenberry passed away in 1991. However, his wife uh, or Major Barrett. Widow, Major Barrett um, uh, brought up a whole bunch of his old intellectual property and notes and things that had, you know, been pitched to various uh, stations and um, film studios that never made it anywhere. And one of them is Andromeda. It's a space opera television series starring Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> right at the height of Kevin Sorboness. <laughs> yes. And if that doesn't tell you enough, 
you need to think about like Firefly, but campier. That's the goal here. Oh my gosh. Um, favorite episode is where he opens up a side compartment and there's this wig and a sword and he goes, oh, another life, another time. And it's totally <laughs> he used in Hercules and the yes. same hair. I love, and I love the fact that they played on that campiness and, you know, especially with Kevin Sorbo. Um, yes. Great, great series. Absolutely oh love gosh. it. I will say though, it is a series that you kind of have to watch from the beginning or yes. else stuff does not make yeah. sense at all. And it does build upon itself season over season, even though it definitely jumps the shark and goes all kinds of weird places. Beautiful show though. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely uh, a lot like Star Trek, where you have to watch each episode to understand character progression and so on. So forth. yeah, and not so if far- I could, mm-hmm. if I could describe it in a mismatch way, take Star Trek and Firefly and Battlestar Galactica and push those feelings together, and you've got Andromeda. It, it is a hot mess, but it is a beautiful hot mess. Yes, I I agree. I agree. That was an excellent choice. Thank yes. you. It almost made the list, but <laughs> okay, friends. Dan, I think this is oh, up to you now. I, I do have to throw one more in. Now, oh. gone to the point of Hogan's Hero. I have to throw and get smart. Oh, that's like th- old th- school again, get smart though. That, but that's television history. I don't know if I would say yes. that's underappreciated IP, but that's oh, like television totally underappreciated. Don Adams uh, as Maxwell Smart. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll leave it at that. Check that, it out. That is an excellent there choice. The movie. There is yeah. the movie that came out uh, with Steve Carell. They did Carell. a fantastic job. Yeah, he did a great no. job in that. But, but you're right. The original source is the original is source with Don Adams. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. And I, and I do apologize. But before I pass it to you to take us out of the show, I do have one important announcement for the Dungeon <gasps> Crawlers out there who were listening last week. Oh, yes. Um, there have been some updates to the way that Tracy Aikman is going to be running the special event at Mythos Games on December 4th. Please go to mythos.games to check it out or take a look at social media. Um, But uh, we received a whole bunch of feedback on the event and what people wanted to see out of it. And so because of it, we're switching things up a little bit. It will now be an event that you can attend digitally and participate in. It will be the first ever Digital Killer Breakfast and it's going to be fantastic. Oh. And most importantly, it is going to be generally run and produced by the three gentlemen who you've listened to today. So <laughs> even though we will by no means be the star of the show, we are going to be helping to make sure that we're facilitating what's going on in the background, that the technical pieces are working the way that they need to. It's going to be fantastic. December 4th, 2020. It is a ticketed event. 2021. Um, 2021 2021 whichever year we're in i don't know it's all blending december 4th this this year (laughs) december 4th of this year yes thank you um it is a saturday the event will uh be at 1 p.m or excuse me 2 p.m mountain time is when the stream will go live if you are in utah you can come to mythos games in person join live join the watch party there you can have uh, an opportunity to participate as well it's going to be fantastic so come check it out come support some good causes we're helping toys for tots we're trying to help keep cool communities going and and build cool things so thank you very much mythos.games check out tracy hickman's social media and we'll post more details as we have them as well great this news be amazing because this will be the second killer breakfast i've been a part of I've heard of Killer Breakfast for like going on a decade now, and I still have never seen it for myself. So I'm excited. It is usually amazing. usually when you go to conventions, the tickets to get in are like twenty to thirty dollars, depending on the convention. Way back in the day, they were less or free, but it's popular that usually at a convention, you know, a thousand to two thousand people will attend just to come watch and have a good time. It is the best way to have just fun. And crack jokes. Come have a good time. Um, tickets, including the opportunity to participate, are $10. And the only promise of the show is that everyone who makes it on stage will die. Actually, <laughs> I know of one person that has not. And Tracy gave her a gold coin because of it. Um, Fair enough. She was amazing. Uh, a horde of zombies was coming and everyone was going to die. And she jumped up and said, come on. And started doing the thriller dance. <gasps> of course, the zombies had to join in. 
So she's the only person to ever have survived the killer breakfast. Oh my but gosh, you I love could be the it. next. Yes. Anyway, we um, gotta cut it there, guys. We've we got it. Our time. We got it. We've hit our time. Man, I'm so excited because the last time I got to do it, I was like the very beginning announcer part uh, of uh, Phantom of the Opera because it was uh, Phantom of Ravenloft or something like that. So I got to do that. Cold no, <laughs> lot six six five. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I had so much fun with that. And and there will still be Sky Raiders of Abarok stuff there. Oh my gosh! So and if you excited. come join us in person, you might be able to have some cool stuff that goes home with you. But I'm not going to spoil anymore, and we really have to end the show. We do, we do. So we got to go. So uh, hopefully, you guys have found out some new TV series or games uh, to check out, um, or, or even stories and books. Uh, let's not forget those. Uh, check out these underrated ips that we've talked about because they definitely are they're going to be lots of fun they're going to be enjoyable for you to check out uh we've enjoyed them and we really think you will enjoy them as well so with that said we're out of here dungeon crawlers don't worry about being underappreciated just tell your story whatever may come and whether you only get to be in one season or six always remember to be epic and don't suck remember Force will be with you always. Dungeon crawlers. <laughs>